This is a Technicom podcast. What happens at the intersection of ethics and technology? It's now becoming customary to install ethics experts in technology-related projects everywhere. But to what end? And what kind of ethical architecture is required to keep pace with the exponential growth in technology development? I'm Peter Balland from Technicon, and these are questions we strive to answer in this podcast series called Ethics and Technology, a Prerequisite for European Research. Each episode, we look at the role of ethics in different technology-related sectors, such as cybersecurity, medical technology, and software and hardware engineering, and many more. Today, we look at infrastructure and smart mobility. Our guest, Hans Groh, is an attorney in Brussels working on the MGov4EU project on behalf of project partner Timelex. Timelex is a niche law firm specializing in the legal aspects of information technology, which, of course, includes ethics. Welcome, Hans, and thank you for coming on today. Thank you for, uh, for inviting me. When we talk about ethics, most discussions quickly go to privacy protection and data protection, but this is just one piece of the pie. There's so much more to ethics. Can you edify these perceptions by citing the role that ethics plays in the MGov4EU project? Absolutely. And uh, well, it's a very welcome question because indeed there's a tendency in European research projects to narrow um, ethics challenges down to data protection, privacy protection, and basically the questions on, on on which kinds of uh, information about citizens gets collected and, and what it's used for. But ethics is a, a, a lot broader as a, as a working topic. Basically, it, it comprises all kinds of um, potential breaches, potential risks, potential infringements of, of fundamental rights. And I think uh, MGov4EU is an interesting project to demonstrate that. The, the, the core idea behind um, MGov4EU is basically the, the whole notion of data sovereignty, of giving people control over their um, personal data. And obviously, privacy and data protection is a, a big part of that. You want to make sure that uh, data still gets dealt with safely and securely. Uh, but there is a broader component to that, which isn't purely about um, data protection and privacy protection. It's also basically about uh, the questions, for instance, of, of, of empowerment, of non-discrimination, of making sure that you're building an information society that it's accessible pretty much across the board to all of our European citizenship. Look simply at the, the, the question, for instance, of digital divide. That's not a data protection issue. That's not a privacy issue. But if you want to build um, an, an ecosystem like this project wants to do, where people get more control over their own information, where they can use their own mobile phone to interact more securely with uh, public administrations, manage their own information, manage their own official uh, documentation, evidentiary documents, certificates, attestations. If you want to allow people to do that, that, that can be very beneficial, but not everybody in the citizenship will be able to do that. There is still a digital divide. Not everybody is, is, is equally handy with them and at home with mobile devices. So you do need to make sure that your project is designed in a way that takes that into consideration and that you still keep uh, avenues open for people who aren't really all that comfortable acting, uh, interacting with, with digital uh, technologies and with mobile devices. So that's a good example of uh, an, an ethics challenge that uh, MGA4EU needs to deal with and where we need to provide guidance um, that actually isn't related to data protection or privacy protection uh, at all, but that does have a very big um, ethics component. Since you broke this wide open, I have to follow up with a question do we need a continuous approach to make sure that ethics ideas are being adhered to? 
or are regular monitoring efforts and general rules sufficient? I think there's no way to steer around the, the need for continuous assessment. And I think European projects are generally quite good at that, at least the ones that sort of internalize the, the role of ethics. So there's a, a lazy way to do ethics and there's a proper way to do ethics. The lazy way is to just look at, you know, what are the ethics questions that have been imposed to us um, as a part of, of the, the, the project grant? You know, what are the boxes that we need to tick? And just to say, you know, a couple of weeks before the deadlines are due, we'll write up the deliverables, we'll send them in, and we'll be done with it. That's the, the lazy way to do it. But obviously, that will not help you monitor continuously um, what lessons you're learning and, and what problems you'll face and, and, and what new issues might come up. To do that, you really need a continuous approach where all of the partners uh, more or less internalize the, the, the ethical values of the project and have um, an, an, an ethics awareness. And that's very challenging because in, in European research projects, you know, part of the strength is that you have a, a broad team, a broad range of stakeholders, all of whom have their own expertise, but all of whom also have the tendency to look at every uh, every part of the project from their own narrow perspective. Like if, you, if you're um, a, an application designer, then you want to build your application in a way that works and that functions. You don't have to worry too much. You don't want to worry too much about the societal impacts um, and, and uh, what ethical problems you might be creating with a specific solution. And yet, precisely that part is very important. If you want to make sure that um, ethics are done right, you really need a basic um, guidance for the project. You need a short statement of what the main ethical principles and constraints of the project are. You need everybody to understand those and you need a willingness within the team to uh, keep an eye out for those and to communicate about them. At least flag and say, hey, this is what we're doing right now. I'm kind of concerned on of what the implications are going to be. Maybe it's nothing, but maybe we should have a brainstorming session or maybe I'd like someone else to look at it. And, and uh, if you do it that way, if you sort of create this, this culture, culture of, of ethically responsible development within a project, you can do a lot of good also in, in finding out sort of where the unintended consequences of your project might be, which could be beneficial or which can be detrimental for uh, from an ethics perspective, making sure that those are analyzed correctly and that you have a way to deal with those challenges before you bring a final product to the market where you have to say, you know, we had a good idea, but uh, the implications of what we're doing here are pretty serious. There are some, some, some downsides that are difficult to manage, which jeopardize the, 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 the viability of our project outcome as a market product. So it sounds like then the ethics efforts within a project, they continue to grow with the project through the lifetime of the project. And maybe this feeds into this idea of responsible research. Um, many EU projects expect their partners to adhere to this idea of responsible research. Can you give examples of what this means in general and perhaps more specifically in the project that you're involved in, which is MGov for eu Absolutely. So, sort of an overarching principle uh, for European research projects, the Commission would like all of its funded projects to practice responsible research, responsible innovation. And it's actually a very uh, hands-on approach towards handling ethics challenges because the the core difficulty is that things like fundamental rights and ethics, they sound good to everybody. The issue is that you need to make sure that those values are somehow ingrained into your project and the outcomes and the way you approach those. And it's difficult because um, usually there isn't one solution that's ambiguously optimal. And as a project, you need to make some choices there on uh, where you place your priorities, which values you choose to to emphasize, and how you mitigate some potential negative impacts on on other values. I'll make that a little bit more concrete, specifically in the uh, MGov4EU. So that project is essentially about 
allowing people to, um, to maintain better control over their own uh, personal information, making sure that you know when they want to um, identify themselves in a specific service, they don't reveal more information than they need to. It also builds on the philosophy that citizens are generally capable of managing their own um, personal information and that they can keep control over that data via their mobile devices. You know, that's a very explicit value. That's about citizen empowerment. That's about giving people control over their own information. That's a very powerful idea and a very um, ethical perspective on, on how to deal with data. But there's also, um, there's also tensions there with other fundamental values. Obviously, with data protection and privacy protection, that's, that's one of the key priorities here. You want to make sure that you know, by putting all of the data uh, in a mobile phone, or at least under the control of a mobile phone, you don't want to accidentally um, lower the bar of security. You want to make sure that the application, the services that you have there are adequately um, protected and that they take into account the um, skill level of a reasonable, of an, of an average person, or even of someone with a, a lower than average skill level. If you are going to put people in control over their own data, you need to do it in such a way that people don't actually harm themselves. That's a data protection issue as well. Um, but there's also a bigger uh, justice issue for behind that. What, what do you do, for instance, when things go wrong, when there's an incident, when somebody steals data from your mobile phone because they were tricked because of a phishing exercise? Uh, you know, how do you protect people then? So empowering citizens, you know, obviously nobody could possibly object to that. But how do you balance that with uh, the need for data protection, making sure that people cannot get tricked? And how do you provide people with adequate protections if something goes wrong? What is the degree of control you, you exercise over that whole framework and over where data can um, can can flow. So that's a, a good example of where the application of an ethical framework and, and making explicit what kind of values you have will help scope the um, uh, the approach to the work and the design of the architecture around that. So yeah, I think that those are great examples, and it kind of makes me wonder now uh, what happens when you have two different perceptions of what ethics really means. Um, a prime example is the cultural differences, which may alter perceptions about ethics. Absolutely. At the beginning of a project, there should be a discussion about what kind of values you endorse within a specific project, what kind of outcomes you want to get, and what kind of fundamental rights you want to, to strengthen. And that is the point where you have, can have an open discussion and say, okay, well, how important is, for instance, individual governance? How important is governmental supervision for us? And what are the kind of lessons that we draw out of that in, in terms of um, architectural requirements? And most European projects have that sort of built into their, their approach in the sense that, you know, they have a task early on where somebody needs to look at, you know, what are the legal requirements and what are the ethics requirements? But it's actually quite rare that a project explicitly says, well, okay, now let's not do that abstractly and just say, you know, what is... What does the GDPR, General Data Protection Regulation, what does the law impose on us as an obligation in terms of data protection? But let's actually reflect on you know, what are the, the, the different ethical values that we could be designing our solution for uh, and what are the choices that we want to make as a consortium, not from the perspective that one choice is the right one, is necessarily optimal for, for society, but at least you know, making it more explicit what the choices are that you make as a project um, that will serve also as your basis for evaluation later on to see whether you did a good job. And maybe you'll find halfway through the project that you were too flexible or too strict, and that's perfectly fine. That just means that you're learning on a, on a difficult topic. And I think this goes back to what we mentioned earlier about this idea of the continuous approach or this constant evolving of you know how ethics fits into a project. So mm -hmm. exactly, and 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 um, it also it, it goes 
you know, also to uh, it impacts a lot of more practical um, aspects of the uh, of the project as well. Yes, I'm glad you bring up the practical aspect of ethics. This is something we will talk about in a future episode. So for our listeners, stay tuned. And as for today's show, that's all we have time for. But it was great to get an insider's view about ethics and technology in a real world setting. Thanks for coming on today. You're very welcome. Thank you for the questions. It was very interesting. And thank you for listening. And make sure to join us next time as we examine how ethics fits into cybersecurity. We will look at a huge government-funded project which allocates quite a few resources to ensuring effective ethics principles are embedded in a measurable way. You won't want to miss it. See you next time. The MGov for EU project has received funding from the European Union's Horizon 2020 Research and Innovation Program under grant agreement number 959072.